welcome to the Meaningful Business Podcast with me, Joe Casey. The place for coaches, healers, consultants, and other service-based folks so you can learn how to build a sustainable, meaningful business without having to resort to the dark arts or sleazy marketing techniques. Hi everybody, it's Joe Casey. Welcome to the Meaningful Business Podcast. I'm here with Helen Tremethic. Now, Helen is a copywriter extraordinaire and I know that finding the right words that express what you're about in your business is is a real headache for a lot of people. I know this is a conversation that, that, that goes around with with people in my community and, and my clients. And I have to say that being able to write in a way that I felt expressed me and also communicated what I did to clients was my nemesis for the longest time. It was really, really tough. And so um, Helen is an expert in all things, finding your brand voice, being able to write in that way so that it sounds like you and not just like you know, any other person on the internet. So I brought her here so we can have a chat about her her experience of running an online business, but also so that she can share some of her magic with you. So Helen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Joe. Those are such kind words. Well, of course. Of course. But it's all it's all thank you. it's all all totally true. Would you mind explaining to people in in, in a bit more of the, the kind of I suppose the, the, the proper way? because I'm sure I was I was garbling it a little bit, but what it is that you do and what you help people with? Because you, you do have a pretty fearsome reputation on the, the interwebs. <laughs> now, I don't Thank mean you. fearsome as in scary. I mean fearsome as in, you know. Oh, fierce is a great word. We use that with my kid all the time. Fierce means strong and brave and ready to go. So thank you. Okay, fierce. yeah, you definitely like have that, that then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you hit the, the nail on the head, really. I... The work that I do, I call myself a brand voice strategist, a brand mm. voice strategist. That, um, and that's because the copywriting is the thing that I do often, but I also coach often. But it's all under this umbrella of brand voice strategy. The reason why is because, just as you said, it's your voice mm. that connects with your people. People already know that you need the thing. They know that they need the web design, they know that they need the dentist, they know that they need, they know that they need the thing, mm-hmm. um, t-shirt, anything. Uh, it's, it's who you are that makes them choose you. And whether that is you a person or you the entity that is your massive corporation, we align ourselves with particular values, with a particular tone, with particular language that makes us feel understood, heard, like that service provider is the answer to our problem, has the solution to our problem. So whether that's a web designer or a dentist or a t-shirt company, that alignment comes from a brand voice. So what we do at the communications distillery is we scale back to who are you? What do you stand for? Who are your people? What did, what language do they use in order to express themselves? And then you cr- you create a voice out of that knowledge, and that that is where you speak from, regardless of whether you're meeting somebody in person at a conference, or you're writing your website copy, or you're writing your social media posts. So, 
as a copywriter, I often do the website for people because that's our 24-7 salesperson. But as a coach, I promote people to use that voice wherever, wherever, whenever, because that's what creates consistency. And when you've got your consistency, then, then your sales conversations are really just easy chats about how you're going to work together as opposed to whether you are or whether you aren't. Hmm. I often will, as a, as a kind of an accidental business coach, I kind of, um, you know, never really set out to be a business coach. But one of the questions that comes up a lot is, what do I say to convince people to work with me? Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the, that's a question I, I can't really answer because in, in my experience, it's like, well, if you have all of something like, you know, your website with the right words on there, with the right message, and that's being brought across in all of your other kind of channels and that's how you're showing up online then I I don't know are there some words that you that kind of magically say when you're on a call because to me they've always just been those those very natural chats and I think mm-hmm. that having that out there 24 7 for you takes off so much of the heavy lifting Absolutely. Absolutely. People will land on your site Mm -hmm. and they'll read through it. They'll know immediately whether they are, whether you're a right fit or not. Mm -hmm. And if you're not a right fit, then great. They can move on. They can find their right fit. And that is a good thing. So your right fit people, when they do take that action that you want them to. So I say buy in, but it doesn't necessarily mean a sales call, Mm -hmm. but it could mean book a consultation. It could mean donate to your cause. It could mean subscribe to your newsletter, whatever action you want them to take. When they Mm -hmm. buy in, they're buying in because they know, they like, and they trust you. And because they have that no like trust, when they do get onto a call, they say things like, oh, I feel like I've known you for years. Mm -hmm. And that's because you have put yourself out there in a way that is truthful. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to put a, a tiny side note disclaimer in there. Truthful doesn't necessarily mean airing all of your dirty laundry. It doesn't mean telling all your deep, dark secrets from childhood. It just means presenting yourself in your genuine, professional way mm-hmm. or as the extension that is from you to your business. And when you do that, people think, oh, yes, I feel that. I feel that connection. And and so I like to say that connection comes before conversion. People often talk about conversion rates. How how is my newsletter list converting? How is my website converting? And I think we're asking the wrong questions. I I think we need to be supplanting the word conversion with the word connection. How is my website connecting? How is my newsletter list connecting? And then, because when you've got that, then the, then it just naturally, you don't need the words to say, now would you like to buy my thing? Mm-hmm. You'll tell people, you'll say, hey, I've got a thing. And if you'd like to buy it, here's the button. And the people who already feel loyal, they already know, like, and trust you, they'll say, great, mm-hmm. thank you, because they've really been wanting that thing. That's such an important I think link for for people to make in that 
in that whole thing about how do we we show up kind of as as humans in this this real weird kind of online space that we have how how did you get into this this kind of work did were you always kind of into (laughs) words and and copywriting I'm really curious about how you 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 came to this point yeah um so for a long time I I felt I felt really flitty like I would do this job and then I would do that job and then I would do the other job and uh, and I, I am the type of person who has written spots on the radio I've also worked in a bank I was a medicinal tea apprentice for a while I made some furniture at a fine woodworking company I was the executive director of a nonprofit it feels really kind of all over the place and this is something that I do with my clients because I think a lot of us are multi-potentialites we're interested in lots of different things mm-hmm. as entrepreneurs we've tried a lot of different we like to taste we're curious we like to explore mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why we've come into this role and some of us are entrepreneurs and healers some of our, us are entrepreneurs and and writers but we um but that common thread is what we end need to end up looking at that common thread of what happened all the way through all of those jobs all of those places where you thought oh i'll go and do this oh i'll go and do that oh that looks interesting what is that common theme so for me the shorter answer is that i i went to college for radio and television broadcasting i've always been a writer i was a moody teenager who wrote a lot of poetry I wrote my first, wrote and illustrated my first story when I was was six or seven, something like that, uh, for my kid sister who is was sick at the time. Uh, It's short, it's terribly boring, but uh, but I have always really wanted to express myself through writing. So it was a natural fit for me to go to radio and television broadcasting, enter lots and lots and lots of jobs. I also went to school for international development. And anthropology and the communications distillery is actually an overlay of those two things it's the way that people communicate with each other so radio and television broadcasting was that sales and marketing piece international development is looking at people where they are where they've been and where they want to go and the communications distillery is a marriage of that And when I looked at all of those jobs, I saw that when I was the executive director of the nonprofit, I was writing those operations manuals. I was getting up in front of people and and doing uh, speeches to to bring them in. I was bringing in volunteers. I was doing team building activities, lots of stuff that I do in the communications distillery. When I was working at the the fine, fine woodworking studio, I was doing the same thing, team building, lots of operations manuals. I was writing the grants when I was at the bank, same, same stuff. So what I needed to do, instead of looking at the specific job titles, I needed to scale back and look at the themes of what has always been there. And that's really what it has been, is communicating, communicating to people in a way that makes people feel heard and understood and motivated, motivated to change, motivated to move, motivated to to be the best person they can be. 
That's, lo that's lovely. I've never thought of looking at uh, <laughs> I once applied for a, a, a job and somebody said, oh, you've got quite a portfolio career, haven't you? And I thought, oh, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to take that. And so, because I, I guess I'm, I'm similar. I had lots of kind of um, what on the surface would seem to be quite eclectic. And I've never thought about well, what is what are the kind of the threads that kind of run through that? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really lovely way of uh, of approaching it because I think a lot of people come to entrepreneurship after doing that because I, I I think you either have to be a particular type of person to come into entrepreneurship or circumstances kind of lead you to the point of you kind of think well actually you know I do want not the quote-unquote freedom lifestyle but you know I do want a certain amount of autonomy and freedom about how I spend my time and what I want to put out in, into the mm -hmm. world um and so yeah, I'm, and I think a, a lot of us feel like we don't fit. Mm. So we've tried that. It doesn't really fit. Yeah. We try this other thing. It doesn't really fit. And in a world that that really pushes the status quo still, you know, born, go through school, get your job, fall in love, do all of those things. Um that job is supposed to hold us. That interest that we picked up in high school is supposed mm. to hold us all the way through to retirement, even though that that's not, but that just doesn't happen really anymore. It's not the path that we take. It's also not the path that society will give to us either. Mm. And yet, because that's, that's what we are expected to do, we feel like we have failed if we don't. If we are curious and we want to try this and we want to try that, or we have tried it, but it doesn't fit quite. So I think a lot of us come through that path feeling a bit like we haven't been successful. And an entrepreneurial advent, uh, adventure, I was going to say venture, but it is really an adventure. Yeah. An entrepreneurial adventure offers us some safety if we haven't fit here or there or anywhere else we've tried then we do our own thing where we've always fit yeah yeah and so how did you make that decision to come to entrepreneurship was it was it one that you consciously made or was it one that you more kind of fell into because yes, what I mean is yes, a lot of yes. people kind of come to it after oh, I was I was made redundant I was laid off and I was doing freelancing that kind of just morphed into a full-time gig whereas other people are much more kind of no I, I made this choice to do it yeah I, I'd say both and yes and yes I have always resented my employers <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I like to say I like to say that I'm quite a bad employee and it's <laughs> It's not because I don't work hard. I work really, really hard, but I also rework the entire strategy of the company. I will look at their process that has been in place for decades sometimes and say, you know, what would be more efficient? <laughs> and that's um, not always the way to make friends with your employer. Mm -hmm. So. What ended up happening is I would be in a position for a little while. It would be great until I was bored, until I'd reworked things. There would be some resentment between me and my employer, and then I would take a left turn. Mm -hmm. Something else that was that piqued my interest, and lather, rinse, repeat the cycle, 
And, uh, and so I knew that something needed to change. I knew that something needed to change. I had been doing a lot of writing. I was, had quit my executive directorship, felt really burned out from the nonprofit sector as happens mm. a lot. And, and so I was doing a lot of writing, a lot of writing for myself, but then a lot of writing for other people. And as that happened, people were asking me to write their blog posts. People were asking me to, to edit some of their work. And, and I saw that there was this opportunity for me to do this new thing. And I applied for a business program, got in. I got, applied for the business program, program kind of on a, a whim. I got in, and that gave me the flexibility that I needed to really amp up the communications distillery. So that was eight, I think formally eight years ago. And I always have a hard time remembering exactly how long because it it feels like longest days, shortest years, a little bit like having a, a kid where, you know, there's there's really no gauge of time until you turn around and it's like five years later. It's about eight years ago. And, um, and so that's when I formally stepped into the role of communications distillery and it's morphed as, as it does. Our businesses are living entities and they don't like being pinned down either. So, um, yeah, so that started out with blog posts. It very quickly moved into website copy. Then I realized that there was a methodology that I was, I was adhering to. I started being requested to teach workshops. So I started doing that and then coaching. And then that methodology has kind of worked through to a group coaching program and one-on-one -on -one coaching, as well as still doing copywriting for clients who don't want to write the words they're just done and and so I will write the words for them if they if they so choose and is there a particular type of client that you just love to work with yeah okay let's talk yeah yes and let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about niche for just a second okay because, yeah uh, this is something that comes up a lot in our entrepreneurial world oh, yeah. hugely Oh, we're in like, coaching, it's like, niche oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You've got to find your niche. <laughs> and people are like, oh, no, I don't have a niche. Yeah. That's why, like, all I need is a niche. And and I, I want to give permission to kind of everybody that a niche isn't necessarily an industry. Mm. It, it's an, A niche isn't necessarily an industry. A niche isn't necessarily one thing. So... Your remember, I was talking about that common theme through you've done this job, that job, the other thing. What is mm -hmm. the common theme? There's always a thread there because you have always been you, you have always chosen those opportunities for not necessarily the fact that they're different, but there's something else. And so, the same for your clients there is a common thread, and maybe they are all in banking. Maybe they're all makers of some sorts. Maybe. But maybe there's something else that is that common thread. So for for I find that the communications distillery goes through these themes where I'll have 
a, a year where all I'm doing is working with people who are in complementary medicine. They're, they're healers. Uh, and, and that's lovely. I, I, I love, I love working with healers, uh, because they are invariably people who want to see and do good in the world. And I relate to that. So I, I love being able to bring that forward, but it, it isn't always that it, that through a year of, of healers and then I'll go through a year where it's all web designers and then I'll go through a year or de designers and developers and then I'll go through a year where it's something else. So I, I do see that there are these themes, but the undercurrent is, is really that, that there are people who are excited and motivated to help people. They really, they're helpers. They are doing this, the work that they, they, they're doing in the world because because they're motivated to make change, they make disturbers. They're they're often thought leaders if they've been around for a long time. They want they see that there are gaps and then they want to fill them. And that tends to be the people that I work with, people who are excited and passionate about what they do, people who do this work. Because it's a way of, of you know, paying their bills, of course. But they do this work anyway. They're driven inside to keep doing this work. And so they've always done it. And, and so that my, my best clients are really those. And the thing that they do often, often is just extra. The, the thing that they do is the thing that they do with the people they are. That's where that's where the that commonality comes in. I love that. I love that that the way that you're able to articulate that that difference between you know it's not this. I work with people in the tech industry, or I work with. Yeah. I sometimes joke that sometimes the niching gets so people almost feel like oh I have to pick just such a specific niche. It's like I'm gonna work with jugglers called Brenda. You know, because <laughs> it's like that's specific. Just like no, it's it's much more about the the values and the desires that somebody has and the, you know, like you say, what they want for the world and for their clients and. Uh, yeah. And alignment in that, mm. alignment in that. So oftentimes, oftentimes the people that you like to work with are the people that you like to hang out with, the people that you like to drink beer with, except to pay you money. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause uh, well, I, 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 I so the question that I was about to say, but you see, it seems like I, I work with a lot of coaches and healers and there's that whole kind of, oh, well, they're my friends. So it feels wrong to charge them. And I was I was making an assumption that it wouldn't apply to your type of, of, of work. But I'm wondering if, if that is something still that that sometimes applies. Did you have trouble in the earlier days or do you still sometimes struggle with that whole idea of, oh, this feels like such a good friendship and I love this person so much. I don't want to sully it with the exchange of money. Uh, in the beginning, in the beginning, I've always actually had a hard time with pricing uh -huh. and I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but um, in the beginning, yes. And I learned very quickly that I needed to create those boundaries. So I often don't, I often don't work with friends or family. Mm. 
often don't. Uh, my partner's business is an exception, of course. Same house, same life. Uh, but um, but otherwise, I don't. I often don't work with good friends and family mm-hmm. because I I think it can get pretty murky. But that doesn't mean I think that there's a difference between friendship and friendly, yeah. and and you can be really friendly with your clients and and they with you. This work that I do is very, very intimate. If we are not friendly with each other, it doesn't really work. We need to we need to be honest and transparent with each other, and that means having a, a, a sense of trust. Mm. So there's there's that friendliness. Um, and would we go out for a beer? Maybe. But would I call them when I'm having a hard time? No. Mm. So so there's um, I think that there's there's a, a there is a fine line, but a but similar to the way that you convey yourself and not conveying all of your dirty laundry, there's a way to be professional and friendly and approachable without leaning heavily on them. Mm-hmm. And that's where the the friendship comes in. You that the, they they can lean on you. You're the service provider, and that's your job. Mm-hmm. When it's done, it's done. Yeah. No, I I. It was just something that occurred to me because it's something that I think certainly a lot of a lot of people when they're first starting out really struggle with where is that boundary between, you know, I want to be super friendly and I really want to, you know, I really like this person and I really want them to get great work and great value and, and at what point have we crossed into a, oh, this doesn't feel like was uh, this is something professional and it can get very, very murky and so I was I was just... I was just curious about that, that idea about, yeah. you know, the... You know, something something that's just come up is that, do you know about the circle of empathy or the circle of care? Do you, mm-hmm. do you know that? Yeah, but so, for, for folks who aren't maybe familiar with it, would you, would you mind? Yeah, happily. Thank so you. this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately. The idea behind the circle of empathy or the circle of care is that the person that the thing is happening to, this is often in relation to people who are going through a hard time. Mm-hmm. So... Perhaps they're sick. Let's use that as an example. So the person who has the illness is the very center circle. Then the the next ring out are their their people, their family, their their spouse, their children or parents. The next ring out from there are our extended family, really close friends. And then the next ring out is co-workers let's say so as you get further and further in, in those concentric circles those those people get further and further away from that person with the illness now the the idea behind the circle of empathy or the circle of care is that the direction only goes outward so the person with the illness can lean on anybody in those circles anybody all the way out the person on the next, the people in the next ring, they can lean on anybody in the, that circle, in those circles, except the person in the middle, and so on and so forth. So, so, so this goes for caring for your loved ones. If a loved one is sick, you can't bring your stuff about their illness to them. You can only bring your stuff about their illness to people who are further out in those tree rings. So similarly, in terms of client care, the client is that center ring. They're the ones that have the 
the, the problem or the challenge or, or the obstacle that you are trying to help them solve or get over. And you are further out in those tree rings. So they can lean on anybody, including yourself, and you cannot bring your stuff to them. And that's why, that's why it's not friends. That's why it's, it, you know, it becomes the circle of care, circle of empathy, that they can bring all of their stuff about the thing and, and then you help them solve it. And that's the direction. I, I love that model I think that's such a great way of because uh, boundaries is such a murky tricky sticky subject for a lot of folks mm. and I think sometimes these relationships that we have in this online space add can, can add an extra layer of of murky stickiness to it so thank yeah. you for explaining that so beautifully and so clearly um, I wondered if I could ask a little bit about the the process the methodology that that you you go with and and it, it it may be that it's different depending on where somebody comes in because obviously you have a a kind of I'm done for you service the the copyright I know there's a, a lot of work goes on between the two of you but then you also do the coaching is it mm-hmm. a similar process that you use with with both similar methodology yeah yeah absolutely uh, the so the methodology is similar regardless of whether it's coaching or copywriting the difference is that with coaching my coaching clients do the writing and that's for people who are really interested in learning their brand voice they're learn they want to learn how to communicate their business to the world and they want that want slash need that skill the copywriting clients don't care as much they're really just like get this off my plate Please and thank you. Um, the please and thank you is super important. So, th- so that's the only difference is that the copywriting writing clients don't write the copy, and the coaching clients write the cl- copy. The methodology is the same, and that is I, I like to reference it as four pillars, four pillars of copywriting. And I have a free thing on my website that people can download. So, you know, if anybody's listening, you don't need to take furious notes. Um, we'll give you the link, but, uh, but here's the basics that it looks like an overlapping Venn diagram with four circles. And that is what creates great copy Four pillars in this order. The first is brand. That is who you are, who your business is, what values, you, you stand for what you believe in is that's when we were talking about alignment earlier, that's this stuff. Who are you? And, and getting really clear on what your business stands for in the world, not just what you do. You already know what you do. This is the, that deeper, deeper stuff. And so I was saying, this is quite intimate work. If you, if it's, if you want just words, you can have just words, but if you want words that connect, you need to go deeper, more, open and intimate. So brand, brand's that first uh, circle in the, in those, that pillar. The second is resonance. So now you know who you are. Resonance is who your people are. Who are you talking to? So when I was talking about having a common thread, it goes deeper than that. You want to have a good 
gauge of who you're speaking to really clearly. And so uh, even though even though some artists talk about not having an avatar, but doing customer research and being very, very clear on who your actual audience is, I think that's true. And a lot of us out there don't have that marketing engine. So what do you do if you don't have that marketing engine that says, these are my people? You get really clear about who your ideal clients are. And and so so resonance is who are they on a demographic level, but also on a psychographic level? What do they carry around with them? What do they choose? What do they, um, how do they communicate with their people? What language do they use? Because if they're saying words like awesome and rad, then use words like awesome and rad. And if they don't use those ever because they think that they're not professional, don't use those words. It's, it, it sounds, it's, you know, simple, but not easy. So you, when you combine brand and resonance, these are who your people are and how they communicate and, and brand is who you are. When that overlaps, that's your brand voice. That's how you communicate to your people. And the idea of knowing, it's not just who you are. The idea of knowing who your audience is is super important because your, our idiolect, the way that we communicate, the way that we are, as, our individual, as individuals communicate, our idiolect changes depending on who we're speaking to. So if we're speaking to a five-year-old, we'll use different words than if we were speaking to a peer in our industry, even if we're talking about the same thing. So getting really clear on who that audience is helps us create that consistency of language. So that's why it's a conversation, right, between you and that person, and that's what creates your brand voice. The other two pillars are where it gets a bit more mathematical. Strategy is the third, and that's where are you going to put all of those words? So you've got all these words. Where do you put them? This is a bit like finding the corners in your puzzle. We dump out all the pieces. Now you've got a lot of pieces. Your best bet, your best move forward isn't to start like fitting all of the blues together, but to find your corners and then find your edges and then sort between land and sky and and that's where strategy comes in. Where do you, just moving those pieces around so that you've got a clear picture and then filling in the gaps, starting to complete that image in the corner and, and building it out. And I, I do think that copywriting is often a bit like putting together a puzzle as opposed to reading a book from page one to page end. It's, it's more like these pieces over here and then filling in those pieces over there, and then and then making sure the gaps are filled. So strategy, where are you going to put all of those beautiful words that come from that rich and engaging brand voice? And the fourth pillar always comes last, and that's clarity. That is when you go through it all and you make sure that it makes sense. If you put clarity first, you just never get writing. You just you, you end up in this cycle of editing and trying to figure out if you're going to say awesome or rad or awesome or rad or maybe great, which interrupts the flow of your, of your writing, of getting all those puzzle pieces out. So clarity comes last where you read through it, you read it out loud, you make sure that everything is spelled correctly and is in place and, and that's 
that's when you're ready. That's when you're ready to go to send your copy to your design team or upload it to your site, but only after you've gone through those four. So brand resonance that creates your brand voice strategy, where are you putting all the words and then clarity. Um, and so I take people through sometimes very explicitly and sometimes less so through that process of finding out who they are, who their people are, getting the words out and then tidying it all up. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. So say somebody is brand spanking new. Maybe they've just entered um, the industry or maybe they've been kind of, they did just hit on that thing that you kind of like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing now. Yes, so now I need the words to express what it is that, that, that I'm doing. Um, and so the first thing that they would would do would be go over onto your website, download your, you, you have like a, um, a guide to the, these four pillars and they could yes. start to kind of almost like flesh these out for themselves if they, if, if they wanted to. Um, how, and this is a genuine, uh, you know, no agenda with this question. How easy <laughs> is it to do for yourself? When you kind of uh, ride the beat, because I, I can remember how hot, and I, you know, and I do this kind of sort of ish. I don't do copyrighted particularly, but you know, I'm I'm really good at helping other people to spot things like, oh, that's a really good part of your message, or that's what you're about. But to do it for myself, so much harder. Mm-hmm. It is. It is so much harder because, uh, you know that that parable, I can't see the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, we are inside the forest as we're running our, our business. Yeah. So of course we can't see the entirety when there are all of these trees around us. And we also can't see the trees over there. We get too close. So yes, absolutely. It is way easier to solve somebody else's problems than it is to solve our own. And um, you might be able to hear my dog barking. She's barking in her sleep. It's very cute. Um, so pardon, pardon the background noise. <laughs> Um, so the, uh, so, so yes, it's easier to solve somebody else's problems than it is to solve our own, whether we're writing or whether we're, you know, blatantly giving advice about something we've never been through. So (laughs) (laughs) it's, uh, it's far easier to do somebody else's thing. Mm -hmm. And, and this process of going through those pillars serves to make it easier so we're taking it one step at a time as opposed to say, okay, now I have to write my whole website yeah. or even, okay, now I have to write my about page. My name is, yeah. <laughs> and I am, uh, so it's, it's a way of breaking away from breaking away from that forest altogether. And it's starting to kind of look at, look at this tree and mm. what to, what do we know about this tree? So if somebody was brand new, I would say, yes, absolutely. The copywriting guide, the four-part learning series that comes afterward, uh, that that will help. That would be a really great start. And, and I would say that a lot of the words can come when we step away from our business. So mm-hmm. if people like a glass of wine, have a glass of wine, people like a piece of chocolate or, you know, whatever, whatever vice that allows us to relax a little bit, to get away from this, like, now I'm writing my website, overwhelming feeling. Mm. And 
you know, go to the park if it's a nice day. Bring a notepad and a pen and start exploring who am I? What do I stand for? What do I really love? What am I passionate about? What do I, what really gets the hairs, my hackles up? Like, what drives me? Start exploring that stuff because that's, that's where you'll get those gems as opposed to making it about I'm writing my copy now. Start exploring who you are and who your people are and what you really love with no, no end goal to have an about page by the end of this hour. And I'm not saying that, that, that there is a, a really clear time and space to have your about page done by the end of this hour. But if you're just starting out, exploration, being curious, free writing is a really good way to start uncovering the gems that are underneath the earth. Mm. I think that's, that's um, great advice. Can you tell us a little bit about your coaching program? Because I know this is uh, a new-ish um, yeah. kind of thing for you. And it's because it's I've been really lucky to see it kind of evolve and develop as you've been putting together and it sounds so juicy could you just talk people through about you know what why it is sure sure absolutely so copy courage is a program that launched this year um i just want i'm gonna step back a sec copy courage the reason why it's called copy courage is because because of that feeling when we're in in that forest, the trees are all around, we're so overwhelmed, we don't know what to write, we don't wanna write the wrong thing, we really wanna write the right thing, but we don't know what that right thing is, what are the words, that is a big, that's a big feeling. Yeah. And when we can break away from that, that feeling feels like courage. I, I like to, to talk, we like to talk in our family about what courage actually is. Courage is, feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Courage doesn't feel like, oh, no problem. Courage feels like stepping forward despite. Courage feels like I'll do it anyway. Courage is the anyway. So I used to have a, let, a, a note on my desk that said, write anyway. Write anyway. Write even though you feel like garbage today. Write even though you didn't get sleep. Write even though there's this other stuff that's on your mind. Write anyway. And, and so Copy Courage came out of that, came out of write anyway. So what it is, it's a three-month program where we walk through, we walk through that process of the four pillars, and we do it very gently. That's why it's three months. So... At the beginning, we audit. We audit everything. We take a look at what you have. I don't recommend throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You, you want to keep that baby, right? <laughs> so of course you want to keep it. So, so we go through, we see what we have, what we want to change. We don't fix anything, but we get rid of the stuff that hasn't been serving us. And we take a look. We just sort of clear it out take a look. And then we go through the process of creating a brand voice, doing some deep business strategy work, creating that brand voice, looking at our audience, who they are, how they communicate with the world, how we will be communicating with them. And so participants 
create their own brand voice roadmap, which is a, it's a bit of a style guide for writing, for communicating to your people. So there's the auditing, there's the business strategy, there's the brand voice roadmap, and then we get to, to content strategy and writing. And we write our homepage, about page services, contact error page. If there are other ones, then you bring them to the group calls, of which there are three group calls. And there's also some one-on-one coaching time. So you aren't left in a forum with other people who are going through the same stuff. You can still check in with me. And um, at, and yes, it's a, it's a three-month from chaos to clarity, whiz-bang, but really nurturing. So there's a boot camp element to it. Like we are going to get your copy done. That's that is the overarching job of this program. But I wanted it to feel loving and nurturing and friendly because because this stuff can feel really really overwhelming and 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 ultimately I I want people to feel relieved of that overwhelm. So cuz they can't do their great work in the world. You can't do your great work in the world if you aren't representing yourself fully and well. Um, so that's that's kind of where it all came from. And I love it. I think it's I think it's great. Like it's such a, a really great way to work with people that um, that really moves them forward. Yeah, that's it. Does sound amazing and I kind of think oh god where was this like five years ago when I was there <laughs> staring at the I, I honestly can remember. it was in my head <laughs> just five years ago I've been sitting on this group program <laughs> and teaching it to workshops in teaching it to people in person I've been do, pe- taking people one-on-one through it like this this group program has been around four or five years it just it was just sitting on my hands <laughs> I forgot about the anyway. Well, I'm really glad that you you birthed it because it's. I think not only does it kind of give people that kind of end end result, you know, which is website copy. It also sounds like it's a very. I think there's something really glorious and empowering about seeing somebody take agency over how they communicate with the the outside world. And as a, you know, as somebody who works with solopreneurs and and squishy-hearted introverty healer types then that can be it does take courage to do that but something glorious happens when they're able to yes 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 exactly yeah oh so i i'm such a huge fan of what you're doing i'm so pleased that you've you've put this program together and we will of course put all of the details in the show notes but um i have Three questions that I ask. I say I ask everybody on the podcast. <laughs> I'll admit it. Occasionally, I'll forget. Um, only occasionally. Um, so I have three po- uh, questions that I ask pretty much everybody. Um, and the first one is, what does the term meaningful business mean to you? Mm, I think meaning a meaningful business is one that satisfies a deeper part of ourselves. I had a conversation yesterday with somebody who was talking about how he's a chiropractor, but that isn't his entirety. And I said, well, of course not. Like our one thing isn't our entirety. We are complex and beautiful creatures, all of us. Um, But 
he is a chiropractor, not just because he thought, oh, I'll go to medical school, do these things, and then I'll make a lot of money. He's a chiropractor because he's a healer. He's a chiropractor because he's, he's fueled and satisfied by healing people. And of course, there are other elements to his life and to his personality. And this is one thing that brings in the income. So that's what I would say is that the, the business aspect, the business is the income. The business is what, if, you, if you're just helping people, if you're just volunteering, you don't have a business. Um, but when there's that exchange, so that's your that's the business aspect of meaning, a meaningful business. The meaningful part is that is that you're not just making that exchange in order to pay your mortgage. You're making that exchange, paying your mortgage, and there's something that's deeper that is being fueled and satisfied. And the vast majority of us, I think, if I could make a kind of a, a, a gross assumption about your audience as well as mine, is that it doesn't it when it satisfies that deeper part of ourselves, it that that part is knowing that we are helping somebody. That's what makes it meaningful. I'm just saying, I, I love asking this, this this question of people, but oh, the answers are so juicy and makes me kind of go, oh, this is so cool. There are people doing this, but in, anyway, it's not about me. It's not about me. Um, <laughs> next question: um, What's the that the why behind your your work? You know, so Simon Sinek talks about start start with why. Mm-hmm. I'm of the mind of it doesn't matter if you start with why you stumble on it along the way or it changes over, over, over time. But for right now, for you, what is the why behind the work that you do? I, I love that you said that it can tr- it can change because even Simon Sinek is is changing. Cause, mm. uh, what is he saying now? Leaders eat last or yeah. So, is that him? Yeah. one of those. Something like one so, of those. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He's changed <laughs> it. Simon, we love you. Um, there's. Yeah, I I think I touched on it a little bit earlier about how uh, what I really love for people is that they can become more of their themselves. They can step beyond this feeling of of un, being unable to communicate their value to others, and that's what I help. I don't help them do their job. They, I know that they already do that really, really well. And so the, the why behind the work that I do and in the communications distillery is, is bridging that gap between them, them and their right clients, helping them find them, helping them communicate with them, helping them feel really empowered and courageous in communicating their value to their clients. And that way, they can do more of what they do they can reach more of their right people and subsequently it, it subsequently like it helps their businesses which then help their clients which then help their people it it's a, a beautiful ripple effect when i think about it it's gorgeous ripple effect i i uh, a mentor and teacher of mine quite often will say you know especially on the bad days or the not so great days, just think about the ripple effect of the work that you're doing. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. if you're just even just dropping a tiny pebble in that day, it's fine. It's still having a ripple effect. I, I, I just think that's such a gorgeous metaphor. Yeah. Okay, last question. I'm going to give you a magic wand. This is like um, 
uh, a genie in a bottle type power of magic wand rather than a Harry Potter type. You can just do a couple of spells. <laughs> but you can only do one thing with this wand, but it can be anything. Okay, what do any, you do? Any, anything, anything apart anything? from ask for more wishes or more wands. Okay. People have tried that shit with me. We're not, we're not having it. <laughs> it's just one thing. <laughs> because that's the obvious answer, right? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would say if I had a magic wand, then... Oh, you know, I was thinking this morning out on my dog walk about equity. About equity and how it's different from equality. So that's what I, I, would, I would ask for equity in that there are a lot of people in the world who don't have enough food and yet we make enough food for all of the people in the world and then some it just goes and rots instead of of feeding people similar there's a lot of money in the world and there are, are, are people who are literally penniless and they and and, and if that that economic disparity was lessened, then quality of life for everybody would go up. There are people who, for religion or for gender or for sexuality, are um, oppressed and sometimes targeted. Um, and if we had more equity, then, then those people would be able to live free and open and loving lives so i know that there's there's a lot i i could there's a lot that we could do and you know and like world peace definitely comes up there as one of the <laughs> one of the things but but honestly i think if we had equity if people had clean water if people had food if people had education if people had felt like they could be themselves in in this world that they could walk safely at night they could be open at work that that would be that would be the thing gosh what a beautiful world wouldn't that be amazing thank you so much thank you for sharing that thank you for sharing your heart thank you for the work that you do before we wrap it up, would you mind just for anybody who doesn't have chance to go over to a, find a computer to find the show notes or it might be driving, maybe they're on hands free. If they could just, if you could, I don't know why I come up with all these. Why would somebody not go to the shows? But for whatever reason, would you just tell people where they can find you on the internet and how they can work with you? Sure. Thank you. I am at Communications Distillery. Communications distillery.com uh, communicationsdistillery.com you can find all of the work that I do there uh, if you want the, the free copywriting guide and four part learning series that is at communicationsdistillery.com slash free I tried to make as many of my URLs as simple as possible so communicationsdistillery.com slash free or you can find me on Instagram where I take pictures of my dog and cat and kid and sometimes my dare at Helen Schmethic. And that's pretty much it. Communicationsdistillery.com, Helen Schmethic. I'm around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, of course, I will put everything in the show notes, but this has been gorgeous. This has been delight. This has been one of those conversations where I just can't, can't believe this is my job to have conversations <laughs> like this. Likewise. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty you. cool. You're pretty cool. And uh, 
thank you for coming on today and thank you for the work that you do thanks for listening to the meaningful business podcast with me joe casey if you want to know more about how you can grow your meaningful business then head over to meaningfulbizacademy.com that's meaningfulbizacademy.com here you'll find all of the details of the academy including masterclasses, courses co-working opportunities member discounts how you can get free coaching exclusive meditations to help build your confidence and bust through those mindset blocks and a whole lot more that's meaningfulbizacademy.com and i'll speak to you soon 